on this week's episode of Polk and Kush, the New Orleans Pelicans start their preseason. We've got Christian Clark live at the Bud Light Tangerine Studio. We have got the New Orleans Saints blowing another game, plus all of the things that you love about this show. We got overrated. We got underrated. We got horrible things happening in New Orleans and wonderful things happening in prequels. You will love this show. Stick around. We will be right back. Poke and gush. Catch these hands. You're about to get shook. The truth is getting split by Poke and Kush. 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 About to get served to play to your own ass. It's time for the Poke and Kush podcast. Poke and Kush. Come everyone to Polk and Kush. It's October. God damn it, I didn't pull out my phone. 5th, 2021. Mr. Andrew Polk, how do you do, friendo? It's October 6th. God, well, shit. <laughs> Sometimes people go, what's the workload like over there at Polk and Kush? I go, well, Kush doesn't know what day it is. And uh, I almost had it. I was only one day off. You were pretty close. Uh, it's good. The tire's no longer an issue. Round of applause. <laughs> Woo! Tire's no longer an issue because the entire street has been dug up. <laughs> this happened within eight fucking hours. I'm like, I get home, you know, from my job at the Cinderblock factory where I just move them back and forth all day. And I get home and there's some fucking guy. It's always a fucking guy. Mm -hmm. And he's putting a blue thing in my mailbox and he ran away. So that's how you know it's bad news. Yeah. You know, that's how I left my first wife. <laughs> yes. You've been served. In yes. the mailbox. So I chase him down like, hey, what is this? He's like, oh, you can't park here uh, ever again. And fuck <laughs> you. Also, your dad's dead. And I was like, jeez. That's a lot all at once. Uh, but the note said, fuck you. Uh, you can't park at your house forever. And then uh, this morning at 6 a.m., they blew up one side of the street. And uh, now there's cones in the remaining burning wreckage uh, that say you can't park. It literally says... November 26th. I mean, that's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Not for them. Those godless heathens. <laughs> they don't celebrate an American holiday. Uh, honest to God, it looks like there's an archaeological dig occurring in front of the Bud Light Lime studio. Yeah, they're going to find the first man to kill himself by drinking too much Miller High Life if they keep it up. I'm done. I'm done. This is the last Polk and Kush. This is it. We had a great run. Uh, and for those of you curious, the way that Polk phrased that, the tires are actually very much still there. They're, they definitely didn't get picked up with all of this. No. Well, what happened with garbage pickup this week, and maybe you experienced this, yeah. they came to pick it up Sunday at 8 a.m. Uh-huh. And I had to, because of the construction, move my garbage can out of the way to park there. <laughs> Sunday day, or I guess Saturday evening, thinking, well, they're not going to come get the garbage Sunday sure. morning at 8 a.m. Yeah. So I moved my garbage can out of the way to park. They came at Sunday, and, you know, I'm naked running down the street after them going, come, <laughs> come get it, boys. They didn't know I meant the garbage. Yes. But. Oh, my God, man. 
It is. Uh, I, also up front, I didn't see the Saints game or any Pelicans game this <laughs> week. I've just been. I watched the Matrix Reloaded instead. <laughs> I've just been tasting a gun for the last three days. How have you been? I've been great. Yeah? All things comparatively, I think I'm on easy street you right now, You are so man. fucking loud. Oh, God. Well, I'm doing great. Everything's good with me. I have uh, no problems uh, in, in, comparison, in comparison to this. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything... With the exception of uh, the fourth quarter of the Saints game, I think the rest of my time has been pretty well spent. Yeah? I don't really understand how a garbage truck is going to even get down the street anymore, though, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be happening anymore. We're just going <laughs> to throw our garbage into the pit. <laughs> just throw it in there. It literally does look like the pit from Parks and Rec. Like, it is it's deep. Like, you could sleep in there. You could build a tent. You could do a lot of things. Don't give our listeners ideas. <laughs> We're going to have people come. Somebody did email us and ask us to show a picture of the tire pile. Yeah. It's going to look like Whoever, it's smoldering in hell now. I'm sure that was, like, just somebody wanting to see it. But also, like, if you email me and you're like, hey, can I have a photo of where you live? I'm not going to. I'm not going to reply. <laughs> Like D Green twenty three. I'm not sending you my whereabouts. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Draymond's mom at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of sports occurring right now, despite uh, the hellscape that has uh, continued to occur in New Orleans. Uh, the Saints hosted a game on Sunday at home. That was lovely to get to go back to and be back in the dome, despite how it unfolded. And the New Orleans Pelicans have begun the preseason. Which brings us to a very special announcement today that we have a guest in studio, live in person, a real human boy, Christian Clark, NOLA.com, Pelican's beat writer, our first ever Polk and Kush guest. Thank you so much for coming on, Christian. How do you do? Fellas, it's great to be in the Bud Light Lounge <laughs> Studios. A real <laughs> uplifting experience over here. Yeah, it's like it's like this is my first time in Polk's neighborhood, and it's like 1850s Industrial Revolution <laughs> London. If you like, put it on top of like the Earth when the meteor struck and killed all the dinosaurs. It's really nice. I am sneaking down alleyways, killing British women. <laughs> Throw out your dad. <laughs> uh, so the Pelicans are not a great team to have to follow every single day i imagine it's uh i have backed away a little bit from having to you know be on every single day type of thing you've been going to practice every day you have been uh a part of everything going on right now what would you say the general the general mood typically there is uh misery is that different right now it feels as if there is a little bit of optimism that has crept in here through the first week ish of uh of training camp yeah, I mean, there there is legitimate optimism. It's just kind of this weird thing because there's a bunch of little things that I think are good. Like, mm. people genuinely are excited about the Willie Green hire. I think that's got a much better chance to work out than Stan Van Gundy. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, Trey Murphy looks awesome. Like, yeah. he shot the hell out of it in his first preseason game. Like, Herb Jones, hey, maybe that's really good value in your second-round pick. Like, there's a lot of good little things. It's just the one big thing that that, that doesn't – look great you know yeah and i mean that one big thing is a pretty big 
like what are they gonna what are you like are you guys talking about zion yes <laughs> <laughs> he could actually fit into the <laughs> um, we're gonna after 10 years and it's been 10 years from now it'll be eight years after zion left and we can name that zion memorial crater I mean, it's one of those things, right? It was like everything could be right, but if Zion doesn't work out, then it all kind of doesn't matter, right? Like it's just he's the foundation that it's all built upon, and it's sort of a foundation of sand at the moment because nobody knows anything. I mean, we, the only time we heard from him was media day, right? Has he talked since then? No, he hasn't talked. And I would, I would be surprised if he talked again until he's like ready to play. You know, yeah. he, he said like, hey, I'm going to be ready for – the first regular season game, which is like two weeks away, uh, you know, internally, I think, you know, there's kind of uh, maybe a little bit of skepticism. Is I would, there? Yeah. If I had to, if I had to bet, like, you know, I, w- I would say that he probably plays, like I would say he gets his way and like, okay. they just need him too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely need him, but that's yeah. never been the question, right? Like they've always needed him. He hasn't really necessarily always shown up. I mean, did he look heavy to you in the pictures and in and the media day? He looked heavy to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Okay. Do you think he Polk? Do you think he was as fat as he was? That I'm not supposed to say fat. Is he as big? Is he as brave? As he was? <laughs> as, is he as brave and beautiful as he was previously? Do you think he's as big as he was at the bubble? I don't know. I look. <laughs> you, we have heard from Zion since then. He posted on his Instagram <laughs> that he listens to Dr. John or whatever. <laughs> These people. <laughs> Pelican's Twitter is the most hopeless place because they'll be like, Zion ate at Canes today. That means he loves New Orleans. He eats at Canes every day. It doesn't matter where it is. They have those everywhere. I can't speculate to Zion's size because he's, he's a beefy fellow. He he's puts on weight like nothing I've ever seen. But it's like me. He hides it. Yeah. <laughs> There's sheer muscle mass. Yes. I don't know. Can we get him to a carnival and weigh him? <laughs> What's the trick here? Go to the airport. <laughs> Put him on the baggage thing. Yeah, we take him to Diesel Driving Academy, get him on the scales, deduct the weight of the truck. Look, I don't know. Um, what matters is... <laughs> What's ridiculous, too, is that we're, we can make these laughs now. In two weeks, if he decides that he really cares... He'll be like a jacked monster, and he's going to look – he'll be like – I feel like he can get in shape in a day and a half if he really needed to. Is that fair? Like, do you think that's an accurate representation of Zion? Ooh, uh, I don't know if he can get in shape in a day and a half, but, like, give him a day and a half, and he can, like, put up 40 points in an NBA game. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> this, dude, doesn't really this matter. dude was, like, I don't know, like, the 12th best player in the NBA last year, and he was just, I think, like, objectively probably just too big. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. It's incredible. I mean, we're, how much of him being out of shape do you think is just the injury? You think it's all of it? Um, oh, man, that's, that's hard to say. I mean, I mean, definitely part of it. Like, if you – I just go back to the preseason, his rookie year, and he just looked incredible, right? Yes. And, like, by all accounts, like, he was at kind of, like, you know, a really good fighting weight for him or playing yeah. weight or whatever, and – you know, things just kind of changed when he had that knee injury. And I don't I don't know if, like, things have been, you know, I mean, he was phenomenal last season, but I don't know if things have been great for an extended period of time since that knee injury. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, he, would, he didn't seem like he was in bad condition, I would guess, last season. 
I just I almost wonder if he's just one of those guys where it doesn't matter. Yeah, you see, like, uh, the talk around Zion right now is what can he do to improve, and statistically it's almost nothing. Yeah. It's only yeah. physical conditioning, and we really haven't seen the peak of his physical condition yet. No. As far as we know, hopefully we haven't. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to sit here and say, like, is he in shape? That's not really the argument. The argument is what can he do for this team in the shape that he's in? You know, this might be a player yeah. that never gets into LeBron James shape, which I think is an incredibly lofty goal. The technology and stuff regarding training and dieting and, you know, being a billionaire, that allows LeBron <laughs> to do that. Yes. Zion athletically might have that same gift as LeBron, but he might not be able to match him physically in that way. We might be yeah. expecting a little too much with the comparison there. You know, if he plays like Charles Barkley for the rest of his career, that's a pretty good goddamn basketball player. Accurate, yeah. And, and, and that's probably a good comp, right, is that Charles Barkley never really looked like he was in amazing shape either kind of as a player. Now, I don't think he was over 300 pounds, was no. he, when he was playing? I've, I mean, I don't recall. No, Charles Oliver Barkley, Miller was yeah, over 300 pounds. he was pounds. like 400 pounds. George Murison. <laughs> like, there's no, like, Larry Johnson wasn't no. even like, in the, that. The like, comp is probably like Charles Barkley and Shaq and then Escalade from Anne One Street Ball. Yeah. <laughs> probably those three. Yeah, I think that's what, like, and I, I guess last season just gives the level of hope that it's like none of this matters. Like all of it's ephemeral about Zion because once he's actually playing in games, he's got a skill set that is so unique and so uh, kind of unstoppable that it doesn't really make any difference the rest of the stuff. I guess the only change would be defensively if he's not able, if he's not committed to everything then is he going to be committed defensively? And he definitely wasn't committed defensively the last two years. Do you expect him to be, like, I know that's kind of a ridiculous question. Like, do you expect him to kind of buy in defensively? I mean, I, I've kind of said consistently over the past two years, like, I mean, I don't think his buy-in has been great, but, like, he's literally just too big right yeah. now to be, like, a really good defender in the NBA. Like, I watched a ton of those Duke games when he was in college, and I even went back and watched some, and, like, he was an incredible defender in college, mm -hmm. and I think that gets lost sometimes. Like, he was, like, top five in the ACC steals and blocks. Like, yeah. the you know, like, some of the smart draft heads were, like, even, like, Sam Vecini was, like, this guy has defensive player of the year potential in the NBA, and he just, like, ballooned. So I, I kind yeah. of, like, maintained <laughs> that, like, he's just too big. Like, he can want to play defense more, and I think that'll help, but, like, he's just got to get in better shape to – to be good on that side of the floor. And also, how do you tell somebody who at 20 years old averaged 27 a game on 62% shooting, like, hey, man, can you be better? You yeah, know? <laughs> I know. Pretty hard. We're going to need you to buy in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> pretty tough sell. I, I don't really understand, like, what you can – like, you can't just tell that guy, like, don't be big, right? Like, there's not – like – if you were in that position, you can't just tell him. The Pelicans can't tell him that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, who's supposed to tell him that? A better team that he's going to go to. <laughs> but, I like, Zion being an incredible defender in college is correct. Additionally, he's playing against college kids in college. Yeah, that helps, too. <laughs> you don't have to, to close out the perimeter yeah, nearly. You're yeah. a 19-year-old at Fresno State. You want to take one? <laughs> When Zion comes down the paint, no, you're gonna make him look amazing. I always, I always think about like, so Zion went to this tiny private school in South Carolina, and like, you know, he's playing against the future 
future like the sons or kids who are like you know future dentists and lawyers and stuff like yes. that. Like, <laughs> what are those kids saying? Like, are those kids in like a fraternity at, at <laughs> Old Miss right now being like, "Hey, man!" Like throwing it a dip with their frat bros. Yeah. Like, I played against Zion back in the day. Like, what are those kids saying? He right annihilated now? me. I know. My my brother played uh, against a bunch of guys who went D one when he played basketball here. And he still talks about, like, just nightmares of, like, having to guard against, you know, Hollis Price and Qantas White. And it's like, yeah, like, those guys, like, they're so much better. And those guys, like, didn't even play in the NBA. <laughs> like, Zion Williamson not only is in the NBA, he's, like, one of the best players, and he's hardly even trying. So the level of just, like, pure talent uh, that this guy has, I guess the, the, the overarching question of, of, of the next month, right, is to see whether or not, like, you obviously reported tension between him and the team. There's been churning stuff about that for a long time. Like, what, is there any, like, thing you can see on the court that would be like, all right, I think he's actually fully bought in. Like, I think, I think this, all of this bullshit is past him and that they're going to be okay. Like, I don't, I don't know what to look for on the floor to make that happen. To make I mean, me think I that. think we should be, like, I don't know, specific. Like, I think there was specifically ten- tension between Zion and his camp and David Griffin. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's generally, like, legitimately cool with his teammates. Like, mm-hmm. he's, like, friends with Nikhil and, like, Jackson Hayes mm-hmm. and, like, you know, Najee Marshall. Like, he's got friends on the team. Yeah. I don't think he has any problems with anybody on the team. Like, um, but, I mean, I think it's just going to come down to winning. Yeah. I mean, I think he really, like, the you know, some of the, the people you talk to, like, I think who have given you, you know, good stuff on him up to this point, like they're kind of consistent in then the in that like if they just win, like things will probably be fine. I mean, I don't think anybody <laughs> knows for sure, but like they just got to win and and that's it and that's really you know, that's that's the big hope. Doesn't that seem really opaque though? Well, it's just the repeated mantra, but I mean, uh, as far as the Pelicans and the Hornets go, it has been proven to be true in New Orleans. Yeah. This team doesn't have to be fantastic, but when they win, we're not talking about all this tertiary nonsense of piano playing yeah. and, you know, is this guy going to do this and is this guy secretly tweeting that? Like, no one talks about that shit when your team is slightly above 500. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's just it's just hearsay at this point, and the yeah. only thing you can do is talk about the tangibles, which is Zion being healthy. Are they going to be able to space the floor for Brandon Ingram and Zion? Who the fuck is starting? Jackson Hayes. Yeah. The big question mark. Yeah. Is he – yeah, he's going to be launching threes and, you know, knocking guys out. I don't – I mean, it is uh, – I guess the whole question, right, is is trajectory. If someone, if anybody felt like the trajectory of the team was in the right place, like last year it was unquestionable. Everyone felt like they were going to take a step from Zion year one to Zion year two and like move forward. And that just didn't happen. And I think that is really the, the thing that's like gutting to everybody around the team, right? Is that they didn't take the step forward that they were supposed to take. And so now if you don't take it again, I think everybody is fired, right? Like, you have to go forward or else you have to completely blow it up. That makes her a pretty interesting season, if nothing else. Hey, man, they, they better win. That's what, that's, what, <laughs> that's what you hear from a lot of different people in and around the team. Uh, real quick, too, I, I, don't know, I don't think you guys did not watch the preseason game last night, but Jackson Hayes in the first half fired up a three from, like, 25 feet, and somebody <laughs> on the Wolves, you could hear it on the broadcast, just goes, hell no. <laughs> 
I mean, it missed. <laughs> it was it was a pretty funny moment. I did watch uh, most of the fourth quarter. Since uh, the Pelicans don't want you to watch them, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I had to go into like ISIS.net and like give my social security number to the Taliban. And then they were like, OK, here's the the Timberwolves feed. And I saw Winyan Gabriel act like a point guard and immediately get called for uh, uh, over the what We're carrying carrying. Yeah. yeah. Which I've never seen called in the NBA, <laughs> literally ball, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's what's happening. <laughs> that's the fourth quarter of a preseason game. I guess it's not shocking. But then I watched the YouTube highlights, so that's pretty much <laughs> it. A nice 28-second compilation. Things look pretty good on that. <laughs> I mean, is there any, like, I don't know, man. It's hard to Like, I feel like it's not negative. Like, they're, they're not going to – they should not be a bad team. Because Zion is really good and Brandon Ingram is really good. And usually if your two best players are good, then you're having a pretty good team. But for some reason, because all the other pieces are so unknown, it does feel like no one is predicting them to do much of anything. I mean, right yeah, they, they, they started Garrett Temple last night. That's wild. And, you know, like, I mean, I don't, think, like, I don't think that starting lineup, I mean, it wasn't, you can't go off that and be like, oh, that's the starting lineup they're going to throw out on opening night. But sure. it's just like, like, this is a year where they really have to show something, you know? And, like, there's real pressure. I mean, I, I think I, I would bet that they're going to be able to sign Zion to that extension. Um, but there is, like, real pressure for that. And it's like, I mean, uh, Garrett Temple is, like, you know, probably a future politician or something. Like, incredible yeah. dude. But, like, he's been on, like, 10, 10 teams in 11 years. Yeah, he doesn't it's start on like, most of them. It's like, you don't, even, you don't even know going into this really important year, like, who's your best guard? Like, I would probably say Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think he could be good, but it's just like... It could be. Yeah, like, yeah, you don't yeah. have a single proven guard on the yeah. team. You like don't want to be saying, like, could be going into a really important yeah. year, you know? Like, Eric Bledsoe sucked objectively, but at least he, like, we knew who he was. Coming into that season, too, we were like, oh, there was no question about Eric Bledsoe starting. True. And people had a lot more confidence in him. Uh, Nikhil is more hopeful, obviously. Preseason yeah. was a good showing. The same with Trey Murphy. Kyra Lewis, a little bit less so, but we've seen him play as a real player in games. Yeah. So I have, I have a little confidence in it. Um, you know, a point you made was, are these guards, are these just nameless guards, or do you just not know their names yet? Yeah, that's, the, that's ultimately the crux of the backcourt, right? Is like, no, obviously no one knows these dudes are. Like, Thomas Sadoransky is a no-name. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a no-name. Like, they went after Chris Paul and Kyle Lauer really hard for a reason, uh, and it's because they knew that this is what their backcourt would look like otherwise. Like, Devontae Graham is the biggest name on their backcourt, and he's not really a name. So what do you make of having a backcourt that's, like, basically anonymous until they figure something out? Like, they're not in position to where you can predict anything of them other than, like, hey, just wait and see. Like, they might be okay. Like, do you... Uh, I don't even know who half these guys are. Like, I don't think I watched Thomas Sadoransky play 10 minutes his entire career. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, like, he's just, they're just nameless. Like, they're, even if they, like, do you think they are actually good and they're just anonymous? Or do you think this is, like, a bunch of scrubs in the backcourt? No, I, I don't think they're scrubs, but, like, I don't, I don't know if they're, like, needle movers in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they have, like, I mean, maybe Nikhil can be, like, a needle mover at a guard, but, like, I don't know if they have any of those guys, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you're, like, you're right. Like, there's a reason why they went 
you know, pretty hard after Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry. Like, those would have been awesome signings, and yeah. I totally get that, like, reasoning and rationale, and it just it just stinks that it didn't work out. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it could have if you hadn't, like, completely bungled the previous offseason. <laughs> but, like, you – I don't know. There's just not very much margin for error in a, in a market like New Orleans, unfortunately. It's like when you make a couple of mistakes, like, they just have a way of snowballing, you know? Yeah. It, it can get ugly in a hurry. And the Pelicans are in a great position of needing two to three players to have incredible breakout <laughs> seasons and move the needle. Yeah, that sounds... How many question marks are there on the team? Everyone but... I mean, I'm trying to think of one guy. You're like, well, this is a solid guy. Josh you know Hart. exactly what you're get. Yeah, I think you know what you're going to get from Josh Hart. You know what you'll get from Jonas Valanciunas. Can you say that after Steven Adams, though? A lot of people knew what they what they thought they were getting. And yeah. yeah. I just think he I don't a, trust anybody with this team. I know. I know. He was just I, I do feel like Adams was just a bad fit. That was just a bad personnel decision. They just screwed up fundamentally in the evaluation of that. Yeah, and I think this. Jonas I, fixes it. I think the list of like if you're ranking the guys who did not enjoy playing for Stan Van Gundy, I think you would probably put Brandon Ingram at the top of that list. That's true. I think I think uh, Steven Adams is pretty high in that list, too. Yeah. I don't know that he had the best time last year. <laughs> just just leave it at that. He you know? did have an ant farm, though. Uh, <laughs> so, well, I mean, you're right, man. It's like how many guys are you counting on to have the best season of their career in order to make this team not just like – you're not talking about them being the one seed. No. You're talking about them win 45 games. And that's kind of crazy to think of when you have someone as talented as Zion, as talented as Ingram. It makes for one of the more unique situations in the league right now. I'd imagine there's not many more enigmas than there is in this team. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, like, I don't want to just rule them out because Zion is just that good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like Luca. It's like Luca. Uh, I've, you know, he's kind of proven, like, you know, they don't have just some dudes. Like, they... Two years back, they had, like, a roster with a ton of shooting, and they had this really good offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it fit pretty well around him. But, like, Luka can, like, elevate the dudes around him. And, like, I think Zion has, like, that good, too. Like, especially he just gets in killer shape. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he's just, like, the sky's the limit. It really does feel like, though, he has to buy in, which brings us back to where we were, right? It's like if he doesn't buy in, then everyone's just going to kill him, and it's going to be his fault. And it's like, it's not really his fault because he'll still be the best player on the team. But it's like, you know that he's capable of a whole other thing. It's a really weird position. It's like when, Drew, when I was shitting on Drew Brees all the time. Like, he's still really, really good. He's still the best player on the team. But he's not reaching that level all of the time that you need that guy to be if you're going to be really good. It's also, I feel like it's adding just a lot of anxiety with me towards this team that he's not playing preseason and that him not playing preseason was revealed two weeks ago, if that. Yeah, what was up with that? Did they know about this injury? Uh, That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I knew. Blinking I wish I knew if they knew. (laughs) Morse code from uh, Christian's eyes. Move on. Uh, I mean... That was weird, right? He starts yeah. the press conference like, yeah, you know, I got hurt three months ago. We didn't tell you guys anything because, yeah, you don't need to know. Yeah, it's not like a sprain or a broken foot. That sounds like a big deal. That would end my career. <laughs> like, uh, was he walking down this street? Like, I don't understand <laughs> how he broke a foot and no one knew. 
Like I just, I, I guess I just don't see the purpose of why you kept that silent. And now you're sitting here in a situation where all of these questions have now bubbled up about his buy-in, about what it means, about what he's going to look like the first couple of weeks. And I, I guess they avoided that for a long period of time. Uh, but it does just, it, it brings up to me a lot of, uh, of curiosity as to why they timed it the way they did. I, I genuinely just don't understand it. I don't understand who it benefits. Yeah, it's, it's really weird, man. I feel like we can at least like talk about this stuff more honestly than we could like a month and a half ago, though. That's true. Because like, we just, like, I think like, the conversations around the team, like, at least publicly, like, nobody could even like, talk with like, a modicum of like, honesty about the situation. And now we can a little bit at least. And like, yeah. I don't know. I think that's good, I guess. I think it's great. I think that's definitely what's needed. And there is obviously there's always going to be soccer mom fans who get offended every single time that you say anything negative <laughs> about the team. But I don't think it's negative to say anything about this team right now. Like the bottom line for all of us, I, I believe are in agreement. And you can tell me, Polk, like we're just kind of waiting. Like if you have a strong opinion on what this team is or going to be, you're kind of an asshole. Yeah, or you're just misinformed, or you're you, there's nothing wrong with blind fandom. Sure, but if if you're just going to support the team outright, don't listen to the media about it, <laughs> or only <laughs> only listen to the official media. Like yeah. New Orleans, like official Pelicans and Saints media is happy go lucky. Everything's great. Everybody's having a good time. Keep yeah. your fucking mouth shut. Mm-hmm. This podcast is not the place for that. No, and this city is not the. Is there any optimism in New Orleans right now regarding anything? Yeah, it's not. It's hard to find. So you're gonna have some good drainage systems in this, <laughs> this neighborhood in like, uh, three years. Yeah, I can't I wait think. to have a curb. That's gonna really change my life. God. Is there uh, is there anything you're looking forward to for the rest of preseason? These next glorious three games, all out of town for some reason. Why isn't there a second preseason game here? What the fuck, Christian? No, Wednesday's game is here. Last night's was on the road. Yeah, but then the two games yeah, after that game, are both yeah, gone. So there's only one, there's only one here, preseason yeah. game. Yeah. I can only afford to go to the preseason <laughs> games. I get the $6 ticket. I'm in the 300 seats with the prisoners. <laughs> I saw yeah. I texted Christian because I saw a sweet ticket for sale today for $9 with fees. Can we get a Polk and Kush suite? <laughs> yeah, for, a, for $27. We'll, well take. I think uh, the team really likes you guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolved. They don't know who the fuck I am. His face is on all the articles. No, they love us. But, I mean, it, it, like, what, what, like, what does matter in these next three games? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, Willie Green, like, literally said, like, yeah, we're just going to play a bunch of lineups and just see what works. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's that's a great question. Like, I guess one of the things that I'm really curious about opening night, assuming Zion is back, is like, I feel like they kind of have these two options of like, are we going to start and go really big? Like, they could do this lineup of like Nikhil Alexander Walker and Trey Murphy and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and Jonas Valanciunas and be this weird big team, which would give them some you know shooting around Zion, or like yeah. they could be traditional and like go Devonte Graham and Nikhil Alexander Walker, Devonte Graham and somebody else. So, like, are you just going to lean into weird big ball or are you going to try to be traditional? That's kind of, I guess, like the one big thing I'm watching as we as we head towards October 20th. Yeah, I thought one of the more interesting comments in media day was I believe it was Griff who referred to the roster 
Polk's favorite phrase as a Swiss Army knife. Where he was like, <laughs> where he's like, yeah, I think we're, and it was, it was Griff who said it. I don't think it was Willie. And he, he was like, we're, and that's the guy who built the roster. And a Swiss Army knife, by definition, right, is something that can, that is very good. Uh, it can do a lot of things functionally, but isn't great at any one thing. So the concept being like, this team has a lot of multifunctionality and can kind of, I think, morph in and out of a lot of different lineups and play to a lot of different strengths. Uh, but I don't think they have, like, one real identity other than give Zion the ball, right? Like, it feels like they can so – they're going to have to sort of feel their way out through the next, you know, month plus to see what they actually do well. Yeah, I mean, like, Willie Green, you know, not having Zion in Nashville and not having a training camp, like, not ideal for a first-time <laughs> yeah. 40-year-old head coach who's, like, entering a situation with – you know, a little bit of pressure and expectations. Like, I kind of – I feel for that guy, you know. Like, the only two dudes younger than him who are head coaches in the NBA is uh, Mark Dagnall, the guy in Oklahoma City, where, like, they don't care about winning games. At all. And then Taylor Jenkins, the guy in Memphis, where, like, the first year was, like, we can do whatever. And they were surprisingly pretty good. And, like, now they're kind of building it up. But, like, he's in kind of a hard spot, you know. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, we're talking about over here, it's like, if you don't win, everyone's fired. Like, <laughs> team is fired which is i mean that is probably the realistic result so it's a lot of pressure on willie um right like that's that's just a brutal situation to put a guy like that i into. mean they're not gonna have four head coaches in four years i don't i don't think it's like you think he like everyone's you, you think know. he'd outlast the front office i guess change if that happened yeah. i don't know i don't want to get that far ahead like i there really yeah. is no point there was the point it's all we got it's a six-month season we'll watch it if it crashes and burns, we'll have plenty of time to discuss the wreckage. Uh, in the meantime, I know everyone's going to accuse me particularly, but definitely this podcast of being kind of negative toward the team. I don't think that the expectation should be that they're going to be bad. I think the expectation should be that no one should know what the hell's coming. I, I think that is maybe the overall expectation. I mean, the national NBA media does not pay attention to this team in the least. Mm -hmm. You could see that with all of the buzz about – where Lonzo was going. It's like, you guys haven't watched this fucking team at all. <laughs> it's like, that guy's not good. Like. <laughs> so, you know, maybe Willie, uh, there's a little relief in that he's not under the largest spotlight. The Pelicans don't have nearly as many national games as they did last season. So maybe he has a little room to get in a comfortable groove. And then if this team can knock out some wins, then they can start actually figuring out who they are. Yeah. But they're not going to be able to do that until they win some fucking games. Yeah. And they've, they've got the, the roster and the flexibility to do it. So, uh, Christian, thanks so much for coming over here, man. We really uh, we do appreciate it. This is the smartest we've ever sounded on this podcast. <laughs> the most informed, for sure, that we've ever sounded. So thanks so much for, uh, for coming out here to the Bud Light Studio. Hey, the Bud Light Studios did not disappoint. Appreciate it. Where can people find you, Christian? Uh, read my stuff on Noel.com, and I'm on Twitter at uh, cclark13. And uh, don't read Cush's columns, man. It's bad for your brain. <laughs> we certainly agree with that. We'll be right back with some Saints coverage. Thanks for listening. Oh, that's J-A-N-S-E-N. It's Jansen. Jansen Patagonal, the realtor to
the stars. Jansen Patagna, everybody. My favorite realtor, your favorite realtor, everyone in New Orleans' favorite realtor. If, for example, you live on a street that is halfway gone and you would like to find a new house, the perfect person to call would be... Jansen. Jansen. That's J-A-N-S-E-N. You can find him at Jansen at FQR.com. French Quarter Realty. He is the agent to the stars. Jansen has every single house. He knows every single person. He knows every single law. He is the smartest person, best-looking person, and, well, not the tallest person, but outside of that, he's pretty much got everything nailed. How tall is he? You're calling him short? No, I'm not calling him short. I'm saying he's not the tallest. Okay. That's an objective fact. I was going to go, okay, buddy. Good. He's taller than me. <laughs> well, yeah. So is everyone else. Jansen's the best. He's the best realtor. You already know this. You listen to this very fine program. We all love and support Jansen. You should, too. There's got to be, at this point, if you haven't thought about moving into a new house in the city, you haven't really lived. Jansen is running a special the entire month of October. Haunted houses are 10% off. If the house that you would like to move into has a ghoul, a ghost, any sort of questionable past, which if we're in this city, let's be honest, they all do. They all do. Jansen will give you a discount. I live here completely free <laughs> because it used to be a mental institution. <laughs> they said that the construction and just the neighborhood drove everybody that lived here crazy, so they just boarded them up. Jansen bought the property at a police auction. He painted the walls and he sold it back as cool hipster apartment housing <laughs> and that's where the bud light lime with mango studio is jansen batagna at french quarter realty he's a realtor you're listening to a podcast get him as your realtor yeah uh, there's no point in uh in thinking about this for more than one second if you're thinking about moving and god knows you're thinking about moving just give Jansen a call. He's going to find places that didn't have damage. He's going to find places that didn't flood. He's going to find places where the streets are intact. Jansen can figure it out for you. He knows literally everything there is to know about this city and this market. The Jansen Batagna guarantee. One, the house will not collapse in on itself <laughs> within the first three weeks of you living there. Number two, it won't wash away in a storm. Number three... It doesn't even have Cox Cable. Uh, you can just borrow Jansen's <laughs> password and you can, uh, what do they call it? You can password share. Yeah. Yeah. He'll just give you. Jansen will do that. His yeah. password is uh, defined abs 12. <laughs> just go buy a house from just him. Just go buy a house from Jansen. You know you want to. That's All J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R.com. J underscore Patagna on Instagram. That is a sponsor and with that we'll get into some even more uplifting news uh this week the saints uh choked away a 21 to 10 lead in the fourth quarter losing to the uh previously winless new york football giants uh it was a calamity a debacle a, a shit show however you'd like to put it the fourth quarter was an embarrassment uh but truly the entire game was probably the worst coach game of Sean Payton's career. Uh, so let's take a couple minutes and uh, and discuss it. Polk, uh, how, in the misery scale of uh, 1 to 10, where did you put this one? Well, I think it was just miserable. The game itself was a blowout. And yeah. for the for, uh, 
until halfway through the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't. It was one of those games that did not feel like a runaway. But you, you were like going to the kitchen. You were looking at your phone. Yeah. You were making sweet love to your wife. <laughs> you weren't paying the most attention to this game. You're like, well, they're not going to screw it up this badly. Yeah. Well, it's like the Giants suck, and the Saints had the ball the entire game. And the Saints are at home mm-hmm. after, you know, these dire circumstances. And, you know, New Orleans loves to play that up. We're back in the Dome. They never go, hey, why are, why are you guys always not in the Dome for several months every few years? Do you live in some kind of apocalyptic hellhole where you have to evacuate for months at a time every few? Why is that? No one focuses on that. And I was just like... Welp, after two months without electricity <laughs> or power, the resilient Saints are back to lose to the fucking New York Giants. Can you name three players in the Giants? You can't. Anyway, uh, I mean, the loss is on Sean Payton. He had baffling uh, play calling on fourth down. In particular, the kicker, whatever his fucking name is. Yeah, name is Bye bye. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter what your name is because you are fired. Uh, Why can't they just? I don't. That was insane what Sean Payton was doing. At least in the past, when I've criticized Payton, and when anybody's criticized Payton, you could always at least say he's pretty consistent at what he does. He plays with his kind of nuts on his forehead. And he makes incredibly uh, dangerous decisions, I suppose. Like, he, he doesn't, he's unflappable often. Uh, he sort of goes 100 miles an hour, and he makes mistakes via aggression. Now, he's coaching in the exact opposite way, that there's no real thread of logic to what he's doing on a play-to-play, drive-to-drive basis. And he's just sort of feeling his way through these games on instinct. And his instinct is wrong. Like, it was very clearly he was just wrong on Sunday. They had a fourth and three at the 29-yard line in the first drive of the game. They went for it, didn't get it. Then they had a fourth and three 11 yards further back, or 12 yards further back. And he kicked a 58-yard field goal. And then he said, at some point, we have to make a field goal. It's like, well, you passed up an easy one to take the hardest possible kick. It's like there's no thread. You can't explain to me in any logical game situation of why you would do one versus not doing the other. It does not feel like he has any sense of what he wants this team to be, nor does he feel comfortable coaching in this fashion. Yeah, also the 58-yard kick, uh, that decision was made with a kicker who had missed his previous two kicks, which were significantly shorter than that. Uh, so you got you have to wonder is Peyton playing it as loose and free as he did before because he had better personnel around it and they just cleaned up Peyton's mental mistakes mm-hmm. and now we're actually seeing oh this is what happens when you don't have all star caliber uh, talent surrounding these questionable gutsy ballsy decisions yeah which you know th- yeah the mad the mad hatter whatever you want to call him mm-hmm. yeah that that's what he's known for but he's always had the crutch of infallible talent around it. Yeah. And now he has a below-average quarterback. Half the team is injured, and you're kind of seeing uh, some of these mistakes. Uh, I guess a takeaway is that this game was completely winnable. Yes. Um, this isn't a situation where it's like 
every decision he made was wrong and the Saints lost by 50 points. Mm-hmm. The Saints lost this in an in incredibly close fashion, yes. embarrassingly close fashion, and it was uh, uncharacteristic for the Saints to be embarrassed like this coming back to New Orleans against a terrible team and with a moderately okay squad of guys. Yeah, and I, you know, he gets criticized a lot for using Taysom Hill, uh, but I think that makes sense. I'm fine with him using Taysom Hill, and even the interception, you know, that's a play that happens, whatever. You know, throwing a jump ball to a guy that's my height might not be the greatest decision on earth, uh, but, like, I understand all of that usage. My problem is the formula of all of this seems completely illogical you can't be running a game plan like you're the you know 2000 ravens or the 85 bears and you're just like leaning on your defense constantly the whole game and you're going to go into a shell offensively you're run the ball try to control the clock but you can't do that when your kicker sucks and you can't do it when you don't trust your quarterback at all to pick up third downs Jameis winston isn't trent dilfer like, there are teams who have done this before, but they all had quarterbacks that, like, you knew they weren't going to make a giant mistake, so therefore, on the third and shorts, you could throw the ball to Brad Johnson's. Like, we've all seen teams with great defenses lean on their defense, and that happened. This doesn't make any sense. You can't do it when you don't have a good kicker and you don't have a quarterback that you trust to not make stupid decisions and Jameis isn't even making stupid decisions they're not even allowing him that berth so the whole philosophy just feels like you've got an uh, a window to win that is so incredibly small uh that it it, it is it is uh on most games it's just going to be very difficult to pull it out and then window is incredibly small too because sean is not allowing Jameis to throw the ball when he should be throwing it and then you have little mistakes piling up adam troutman's uh holding penalty which yeah. was very that's very much a rookie tight end penalty mm. malcolm jenkins missing a tackle yeah, that, that went for 23 yards that would have ended the game right there yep Obviously, the kicking we've already discussed. Uh, it's just too many little things adding up for a team without that much talent. Yeah. And you can't coach your way out of that many mistakes in the NFL. You know, you can get beat by any team any day of the week. Mm. Obviously, it's hard to get beat by the New York Giants in the <laughs> Superdome. Daniel Jones threw for 400 yards. Your defense isn't that good. Um, Jameis Winston had what six passes in the fourth qu- in the in the second, in the second half. half. Yeah, yeah. It was brutal. I mean, it was just like if you don't trust your quarterback, don't trust him. Don't come out with a smile on your face and say, "Hey, this is the guy." Yeah. Taysom Hill had two touchdowns. Or yeah. No, he had, yeah. Yeah. Running right. I think mm-hmm. they're both running. Yeah. And like I get like again what he's trying to do offensively. I do understand it. It just doesn't work when you. Think of all of the pieces involved. You can't try to run out the clock with eight minutes left or nine minutes left. Like, that didn't make any sense. Like, it's just stupid. And it's like, oh, well, it worked against New England. It's like, Mac Jones also hadn't done jack shit the whole game. I was like, this is a totally different situation. Like, they're just, none of it adds up. And look, we still don't know what they're going to look like when Michael Thomas gets back, when David Onyemata gets back. They've got a lot of pieces that are still missing from what's supposed to be this team as a whole uh the receivers are trash so that you know certainly holds them back 
but there is a fundamental uh, problem with what they're trying to accomplish on a given week now that I think Sean Payton is going to have to recalibrate it entering this week, and I do actually think he will. I don't know how much I think the receivers are trash. I don't think that they are playing to the receivers' strengths. They've got Jameis throwing screen passes to Deontay Harris and shit yeah, like this. on third and 15. That is neither of their strong points. Yeah. Kenny Stills could have had two touchdowns. He had the first touchdown. They got called back. If that pass to Deontay that got picked off had just gone in the middle, Kenny Stills was wide open once again and That's could have true. scored there. Yeah. That was a mistake on Taysom. Uh, I don't know if the receivers are doo-doo. I just don't think that they're using <laughs> them right because they don't trust Jameis. That's uh, and I don't think he trusts himself a lot of the time back there because they don't trust exactly. Him. Well, I think it's drilled into his head like do anything but throw an interception. Yeah, is like just sit in the pocket, do nothing, throw it away if you have to, take a you know two yard gain, all those things. It is very much a uh, a don't lose attitude much more than a go out and win attitude. And there are going to be games where that works, and then there's going to be days like you know, against the Giants where you left a golden opportunity on the table. Saints defense looked great for three quarters. And at some point it broke and the gay gave up two huge plays. And then they started getting beat by the same play over and over again. And then they lost. And it was like, all right, well that happens. Like you cannot let teams just hang around. The delay of game also in the fourth quarter has never been explained to me. And I can't, I don't <laughs> understand what the fuck happened. They just, they had a timeout. It was third and nine. And he just let, like, they call timeout in the middle of the second quarter for that all the time. Like, n nobody takes a delay of game in this yeah. situation. Nobody. What the hell was going on? I don't know. And they never explained <laughs> it. Did anybody ask Peyton about it? I didn't see it. I don't think anybody would venture down that road with Peyton. That's crazy. I mean, he's treated like he's Vince Lombardi. The defense played great, but you started seeing points where Paulson Adebo is a rookie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's great, but he just doesn't have the experience to keep up with yeah. even the New York Jets. It does, uh, Giants, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Tony Jones, he's out three to four weeks. Um, that was ugly looking. He, too. you know, he injured Teron Armstead last week and went, well, my work <laughs> here is done. And then he got injured himself and he's going to be up for a month. Uh, it was a very frustrating game. Honestly, I, I don't know what else to really say about it. They should have won. Uh, there are going to be games that they win. They probably should have lost. I think that's just kind of the destiny of this team uh, in a lot of ways. I, I don't really know. I don't think you could make a definitive statement about who the Saints are at this point. No, I don't think you can either. I don't think the record is really surprising to anybody, but the losses certainly are. Yeah, I would have flipped the results. I think everybody would have. Yeah. Um, and you said, you know, if something's frustrating about this season, at least it's easy to leave the Superdome after you go to the <laughs> game, right? Now, you were there. You were our on-field reporter. I was there. Uh, I had no problem getting in and out. The vaccine check, I could have shown them a picture yeah. of uh, butt cheeks. I don't think there would have been any difference. Some guy in front of me for the vaccine check literally showed he had like a piece of paper, and he didn't even show the side of the paper that had writing on it. Okay. So and the people that <laughs> he just walked him through was like, all right, this isn't all that serious. The people in New Orleans that check license plates <laughs> were the people in charge of checking vax cards at the. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, 
I if they turned one person away, it was not at the spot where I was because they were just like, "Come on, come on through." And it honestly, who cares, right? Yeah. It's like as long as you scared people enough to that they think they have to have a vaccine to go in. That's like ninety percent of the battle. Yeah, nobody's driving in from Karen Crow to try that one out. <laughs> no, it's like once you've once you've told people they can't go, you know, for that, then whatever. Um, I also saw that the city was upset that uh, there weren't people wearing masks inside the stadium. It's like, well, you really can't enforce that. There's two minutes, sixty five thousand people there. You can't and you don't have enough staff. There's probably to, 17 people working. Yeah. Do they have like even a popcorn guy going up and down the stairs? <laughs> you know. Are they going to make him be the mask guy? <laughs> it's like you guys need to go like no one's enforcing anything and and they nor like you don't have the manpower to do that. Nor yeah. do you have the ability to kick people out of the game for not wearing it. As long as if you're like, "Hey, put on a mask." And they put on the mask, and then you turn to the next guy, and he puts the mask down. You have nothing to say. Yeah. It's never going to work. I mean, it's also, a, you know, a fail-proof solution where, like, the cops come up, and they're like, hey, why aren't you wearing a mask? And you're like, oh, I was eating goobers. Yeah, <laughs> I have a bottle of water in my yeah. hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> That'll stop the disease, all these raisinets. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go back to... <laughs> it's so logical. The entire system of it is so logical. Yeah. The mayor getting mad about it is amazing. By the way, New Orleans has like a 0.7% transmission rate at this time. We're well, on like the very downside of the wave. I don't... I, I think this is... I think we're going to be okay. Don't say that. I did uh, I did enjoy that the Popes, the New Orleans Popes guys, yeah. they were like the barometer for mask wearing in the stadium. Because <laughs> like pregame, they were showing them, they're fully masked. Like first quarter, mask is down a little. By the end, these guys are nude-faced. They are I really, free-facing. Yeah, I had a mask on for parts of the game. and I literally just look around. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, you like, took it off to lead the fuck Joe Biden <laughs> chant. And everything else fell into place from there. <laughs> Don't get the vaccine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it was. Uh, and then at least I didn't sit in the terrace. Apparently, that was a complete nightmare getting out of the stadium. They have chained the Superdome and its wisdom of uh, let's spend four hundred fifty million dollars to make things worse. Uh, they turned they're they're taking the ramps, which are very wide and are very easy to get down. They take a while, but they're very. Uh, natural for walking, and instead they've made narrow staircases for uh, 50,000 people to leave at the exact same time. So people got stuck in the stairwells because no one had done this before. They closed escalators, they closed ramps, and uh, I think the reports was that upwards of 30 to 45 minutes just to get out of the stadium. But at least the people at the Superdome had a very nice way of uh, expressing their uh, sorrow and uh, remorse to everybody. I've got that here. Uh, the statement addressing questions regarding fans' exit following yesterday's game. Yesterday's game was the first played inside the Caesars Superdome with a capacity crowd since the new exit stairs were constructed in 2020. And we are aware that some patrons experienced delays and congestion as they exited the stadium at the conclusion of overtime. They should. I like that they put at the conclusion. <laughs> they should just put in parentheses. Remember the Saints lost. Yeah, remember that, that lost game. The new exit stairs were constructed to accommodate the removal of the old ramp system. Blah blah blah. The stairs are located. The stairs actually offer a shorter travel distance when compared to the ramps. 
We understand that many Saints fans may not be familiar with the new circulation and egress patterns of the Caesar Superdome. Jesus, that actually is the most passive-aggressive thing in that entire statement. Oh, actually, maybe you don't understand that stairs are a shorter distance. Like, yeah, but they're stairs, moron. Instead of them being a ramp, which, you know, people naturally walk down, stairs require a lot more work and problems and cause a lot more traffic, you know? I like the ver- I like using the verbiage of egress regarding people that have had <laughs> seven $18 moonshines. Yeah, I feel like this guy that drank a cowboy hat full of truly doesn't really understand the egress patterns. Like, yeah, I don't fucking understand the egress patterns of the Superdome. Given the ongoing... Therefore, throughout the season, we will continue to educate fans. Amazing. This is the kind of shit. As if the problem was educate. People didn't know what to do when they got to the stairs. They're going to have the... They're going to have the... Where do I go? They're going to have the genome from Jurassic Park telling people how to use stairs. Do I go up more? I know I'm at the top. No, I watched the game from the top of the largest building in the state, but I think I have to walk up the stairs. Maybe that was the problem. There were enough signs telling people pointing down. Yeah. What what an dickish statement. (laughs) There's not a sorry in there. No. Not a, hey, we might have screwed this up. You guys are stupid. (laughs) They need to put in the George Costanza chair that goes up and down the stairs and just let everybody ride that. I don't think it'd be slower. Yeah. 45 minutes. Dude, if I was stuck on a stairwell for 45 minutes after watching that game, I I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in Saints prison. I mean... Uh, there's also the amount of fat people, old people, whatever it is that are at these games. Like they're not built to walk. That's like 10 flights of stairs. Yeah. 10 flights of stairs. You probably have to pee. It went into overtime. You're not going to leave during the fourth quarter. You're especially not going to leave during overtime. No. You got to pee. You're on the stairwell next to the guy from halo. (laughs) The Superdome's calling you an idiot because you don't know how to get out. You don't know the egress pattern. <laughs> I don't know what that means anyway. Uh, like the egress pattern. Like, what are they going to do to educate people more? What does that even mean? It means they're going to put up signs uh, that I guess are just arrows. Yeah, that say the stairs are this way. Yeah. Everyone found their way to this. The issue doesn't seem to be no one could find the stairs. It seems to be once they got to the stairs, they. Could not move. Yeah. What so Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. The people at Caesars, how much do they regret putting their name on that thing? <laughs> like, oh, my God. This Let's is see, the building is on this thing. Building caught on fire. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Everybody's stuck here. <laughs> the team lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that wraps up uh, Saints coverage for this week. Let's just get into some old favorites. Let's get into segments. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Overrated and underrated. As easy as it sounds. Yes, indeed. Very self-explanatory. Uh, do you want to get us started with a little overrated there, Mr. Paul? Overrated prequels. Yes. And this is solely because I watched The Many Saints of Newark. <laughs> I was uh, I liked The Sopranos. Yeah, I suppose everyone else did too. Everybody liked The Sopranos. This was no good. I haven't seen it yet. This was like a mad TV sketch. <laughs> 
This was like they did a Sopranos porn parody, and they were like, it's not a porn parody anymore. It's a drama. Act like it's a drama real quick. We're going to take out all the sex. It was fucking, it was so insane. It was like a, it was like a 90 minute TikTok of people pretending to be the Sopranos. And the, fr- the whole first part of the movie is like, hey, you know those, I- the, the Irish, that's, what, that's how yeah, much that's I know about it. <laughs> All the potato talk. You know, it's a bunch of fucking Italian guys. They're yeah. shooting each other in the face. They're yeah. cheating on their wives. They're like, hey, what if we took all that stuff from the Sopranos and got rid of it? And <laughs> just made it way yeah, more Yeah, so boring. there's like people talking about like the inequality of people drafted into Vietnam. I'm like, <laughs> get to the Gabagool. No, no Gabagool. <laughs> I'd like to see some homicide, please. And it's, and like, you know, I, what I feared was, okay, this, they're remaking a thing that was mostly white guys in the early 2000s. This is a different time. Tony Sopranos, they're going to say that he's gay. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. They're going to say that he's gay. They didn't do it. They kind of hinted at it with the hair. Uh, I didn't watch it. I was go- And then, like, I saw some people had reviewed it of saying, like, it was good but not great. And I was like, oh, that means it's terrible. I was like, because these are all the people that, like, fanboy out of the Sopranos. And they're not saying that it's great. And then, like, a couple of people had your opinion of just being like, it was a horrible movie. It was terribly done. It was completely unnecessary. And I was like, I mean, eventually I'll spend the 90 minutes to watch it. Uh, but it really, uh, it's I never wh- understood it. Like, The Sopranos was kind of, it's just what it was. Like, did you ever see the Entourage movie? Like, the, no. There couldn't have been a worse idea for a movie in the history of time than, like, well, the last five seasons, the last seven seasons of Entourage were all bad. Let's tack on a movie to that. The Sopranos was like, all right, we screwed up the finale of The Sopranos. So now we're going to make a prequel to like overshadow that. It just never really lied. Well, up. I don't think that they screwed up the finale of The Sopranos. I oh, think really? I thought it was like universally disliked. I mean, maybe by chuds, but okay. if people with imaginations <laughs> who can, you know, see the next page. I got you. I thought it was like universally panned. Yeah, but uni- universally everyone's a fucking moron. <laughs> universally everybody likes Marvel movies. <laughs> Look, the prequel, there's there's a prequel to Game of Thrones coming out. No. Yeah. Oh, God. It's called RuPaul's Dragon Race. <laughs> <laughs> there, is a, uh, there is a Game of Thrones That's prequel good. coming out. That's it's called, like, Dragon. The last season of that was horrible. Yeah, well, this is a prequel. Yeah, but I'm just, it's still being made after. Like, it's, yeah. they, they, they lost the edge. Like, these... Well, like, don't worry. There's going to be a dragon in a wheelchair. Yeah. There's going to be a fat dragon. There's going to be a trans dragon. Well, that'll take me into my over. I'm not done. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> that was so perfect. It was such a perfect segue. Keep going. No, no, no. Uh, are you done? Yes. Okay. My overrated is the long acronym. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister, President, I don't know what he is. Justin Trudeau put out a tweet today that said, we love everybody. In the, I'm not making this up, by the way, the 2SLGBTQQIA plus community. Just say you like everybody. Yeah. 
Uh, that is so many letters. There's a plus sign in there. Is the what is the Seinfeld on the chemical symbol for boron? <laughs> I mean, we're, what what are we accomplishing with eleven different groups being put in there? That's everyone. Once we got past LGBT, I lost it. I was like, we literally anyone who's different and who feels different, we love you and support you. No, if you're not the vanilla-faced, mayonnaise-eating person like we are. We appreciate it, and we're all for you, and we recognize your differences, and uh, we're here. But I don't need to pick every single one of them and have every single person who's ever thought of anything sexually and have to put them in the same acronym. You're wasting the acronym. It's like if ESPN just kept adding everything they ever covered onto the end of it, and there'd be like 16 letters in some of this stuff. It makes no sense. So you think a more succinct version would be all lives matter? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? No, I just, I think we should have stuck with four. Four is where we're at. It covered everybody, right? LGBT is, it covers a lot. Q gets added on a lot for queer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you covered all of it. The with rest, the four. Yeah, the rest are, those are DLC. You have to pay to get the other ones. <laughs> That's the Patreon. Yeah. The Patreon acronym. That's the Patreon <laughs> of sexuality and gender and not gender. I literally, like, I... There's two Qs. What does that mean? Queer. QAnon. <laughs> I. Uh, I is intersex. That means both, I think. A. Asexual. What? That means not sexual. You're familiar. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just showing out because Christian's sitting over here. I'd like you've covered everybody with LGBT. I think let's just stick with that. Yeah, we've covered well gay people, trans people. You've covered I mean, anybody. You've got a, everybody's different. I'll tell you why. I respect everybody's sexuality. Everyone. No, you don't. I, <laughs> do, you, do you know? Do you know? What's the number two? <laughs> this is literally like a, an airplane, like a flight number. I think it's like a two being or something. I, I think it might. I don't know. Uh, what? But you know what? Tubing? It's like something pipes? like tubing. Like you're, you can be both and go back and forth. I think it's something along those Respect lines. Respect whatever it is. Do you know why Justin Trudeau is doing this? Because I do. No, I have no idea. Google I don't get it. Justin Trudeau Halloween costume. Oh, because it's like the most racist thing ever. Because he is in full blackface. <laughs> well, I don't think the B in this stands for black. <laughs> so watch out, Kush. Oh, Jesus Christ! There's a roach in the bucket. Give me your shoe. Give me your shoe. <laughs> it's under the. Oh, he got it. All right. Live action it. killing. This is what happens when you blaspheme God and his people. He sends a plague. I very much apologize to the second Q. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Please leave the locusts in the pit. Not the first death in the Bud Light Lime studio. Right, would, All you, right. Do you have an underrated? An underrated. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Keep going. Okay, my underrated is a whistleblowers. Did you watch the 60 Minutes this week? No. So there was a woman from Facebook who uh, came out and said what we've all kind of known, right, which is like, 
I'm everybody, gay. Everybody in Facebook is the devil. Like this is the most everything that you thought about. Like this evil company run by the guy from Inspector Gadget. Like this is <laughs> exactly as evil as you thought. And she had like twenty thousand documents. Uh, basically saying, like, look, it doesn't matter how many people you put to moderate content on here. The problem is that no, whatever pisses people off the most is just going to move to the top of everyone's feed. And therefore, it just fuels itself at things that piss you off and things that are divisive and untrue, whatever it is, mm -hmm. are all moving to the top. And this is an incredibly brave move by this woman who is a whistleblower. She is going to actually help humanity i'm certain she turned down a lot of money when she left you probably had a non-disclosure agreement i can't imagine how many thousands of people could have done this at places like facebook credit to her like this is these are the kinds of people who should be exalted as heroes in this society we call a lot of people snitches and we get pissed at people for you know tattling and telling stories out of school whatever it is this is exactly what we need we need whistleblowers the whistleblower, great person, underrated. I love this woman, and uh, I hope she brings Facebook down. The fact it went down for like a couple hours on Monday was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Well, she's going to be joining Jeffrey Epstein pretty soon. <laughs> and Julian Assange has been in Russia for a decade. He's in hiding. He's going to get killed as soon as he shows his face anywhere. Yeah. Society, mostly the CIA, does not <laughs> look upon whistleblowers fondly that's true i don't yeah the edward Clinton. snowden is just kind of a douchebag though this lady's not a douchebag she's just she she's totally righteous yeah julian assange yeah. he's in there as well yeah they you know the life of a whistleblower not great but no. we do have with her our first girl boss whistleblower <laughs> yes. so yes queen <laughs> she's <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I am all for it. That was uh, it was legitimately uplifting to watch at sixty minutes to know like, oh, everything that you thought that these people were doing to make the society worse, like oh, they were doing all of it. Mm -hmm. They were doing all of it, and here's twenty thousand pages of documentation that one hundred percent proves it. And then the guy for just Facebook PR came out today and was like, well, she didn't even work on the Instagram team. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you got me. Like, you got her. It's like, she's got all of this. You got totally nailed. So uh, congratulations to her. I really liked her. I wish I knew her name. Um, <laughs> I think I wrote it down somewhere. Frances Hagen. There you go. So congrats to her. That was awesome. Uh, down with Facebook. Do you still use Facebook? I haven't had Facebook in five years. But you use Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't find Instagram as toxic, but. It's just a terrible company. Yeah, it is. I, I, but I live on Twitter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> somehow Twitter is fine. I'm on it 21 hours a day. You know, that's the exact same level of toxicity. Uh, speaking of toxicity, that takes everyone into my favorite part of every single week on this here program, ladies and gentlemen. Who worse? So. Worst. Worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. Email them in if you've got them. Polk and Kush at gmail.com. This week is a doozy coming from WWL. New Orleans 911 callers getting recorded message asking them to hold. <laughs> 
The recorded message urges people experiencing a true emergency to hang onto the line until it is answered. You know what this? Do you know what this reminds me of? What's that? The Simpsons. Do you remember The Simpsons where they uh, they call nine one one, and it goes to like a movie phone recording. If you're getting stabbed, press three. I mean, is there a difference? So they're saying if it's a real emergency, hang on the phone? Yes. Why would anyone be calling 911 if it wasn't an emergency? I'm sure, like, little old ladies call 911 and say, you know, the mailman's, you know, stealing their medicine or whatever. But this story is local musician David Simons was walking home from a gig at about midnight Saturday, bad move on his part, (laughs) when he tried to alert police to a possible crime in progress near Elysian Fields and Claiborne Avenue. You could just call the police at any time (laughs) and say, hey, there's a possible crime in Elysian Fields and Claiborne. They're like, yeah, we know. We know. It's Uh, ongoing. It's like a fire. (laughs) I saw someone breaking into a truck, so I called 911. The answer he got was alarming. Instead of a person, he got a voice message. We are experiencing a high volume of calls, and a call taker will answer your call at any moment. The automated voice stated, if you have a non-emergency request, hang up and dial a complicated number you won't remember. <laughs> 911, the, key, the good thing about 911 is it's easy. Yes. that's The it's, non-emergency <laughs> number should be 912. <laughs> Uh, When moments became minutes, Simon said he followed the suggestion on the recording and called the other number. But when he called that number, he was led to yet another voice message. This one said, hey, fuck you. (laughs) What are you going to do about it, pussy? Move to Monroe? It was the same story, Simon said. It was a recording and waiting on hold. So I eventually decided to just let nature run its course. At this point, that's the just... person burgling the car is back home. Yeah, they've already <laughs> sold the merchandise that they sold. The uh, Orleans Parish Communications District, which handles 911 calls, acknowledged that this past weekend was especially busy and that some calls rolled over to the voice message. The message urges people experiencing a true emergency to hang on until it's answered. <laughs> It's nine one one. This is not Cox Cable. This provided little cup comfort to Simmons. I would not like to have a person in a life or death situation to wait on hold. This is not the only story of the weekend. Kurt Danos, you remember him? <laughs> he had a similar experience earlier Saturday after witnessing a possible burglary. We can stop saying possible yeah. about crimes in New Orleans. <laughs> yes, it was he happening. witnessed a definite burglary in Mid-City and kept calling until he eventually reached an operator. He said the person on the other line warned him that he may have to wait, and then cops showed up six hours later. That is just depressing. That's 911? Yeah. You can't hire people to answer the phone? Just answer the... I'm not even talking about getting the cops there. We're just talking about alerting the police that, they ex- that the crime exists. I guess this is... What can you possibly have to pay somebody to answer the phone? It can't be that much money. It should be. <laughs> 
They're not solving the crime. They're just I don't answering the phone. <laughs> Great. Give them $25 an yeah, hour that's what I'm and saying. full benefits. How is it that hard to find people to do this? I understand it's hard to find cops. That's a terrible job. Sitting in the 911 office and just answering the phone doesn't seem like it should be that challenging. Springfield Police Department rescue phone. <laughs> if you know the name of the felony being committed, press 1. <laughs> to choose from a list of felonies, press 2. You are being murdered or are calling from a rotary phone. Please stay on the line. Is this any different than what we're currently experiencing? <laughs> go to Burger King and go, hey, you know what's better than this? Answering phones <laughs> for crime. Please come work for us. Couldn't you outsource it? To India? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm just saying, at least they'd answer. Yeah, fucking some guy's like, hello, my name is uh, Jeff. <laughs> and you're like, I'm being murdered. And he's like, is that legal in America? No, it isn't. Trying to explain the street names. It's I'm on Turpus score. <laughs> Dude, that's depressing. I guess the takeaway here is uh, don't uh, get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, the guy that owns the gun store is just like Mr. Burns right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, uh, goodness gracious. Well, that's exciting. What a time to be alive. It is a great time to be alive. You know, we're pretty positive on this show most of the time. I would just like to, uh, let's give a big thank you to everybody for listening to the show. We've been getting a lot more listeners, a lot more Views, a lot more ratings, a lot more everything, and it's all thanks to you. If you enjoyed what you heard today, tell a friend. It goes a long, long way. Give us a like. Give us a rate. Give us a subscribe. We appreciate it. If you have anything to tell us, holler at us on Twitter, Scott D. Kushner or Polk and Kush. You can send us an email, polkandkush at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much to Christian Clark for being here. Find him on NOLA.com. You can find us right here next week. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.